We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today on the American Family Radio Network, heard across the country in over 30 states, 179 radio stations that we own and operate, radio towers, rather, across the country. And we're also live streaming on the internet. AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is the website you can go and visit. Also, listen live. We are uh, live streaming on our app, the AFR app. You can download it on your mobile device, on your tablet, on your Apple TV, or on your Roku device. You can download it and listen live to American Family Radio. But uh, more importantly, make sure you subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can uh, click the subscribe button and uh, keep up with the show and listen at your convenience. And uh, so many people do that. I hear I, I meet people uh, around town where I live that say they subscribe to the podcast and they listen uh, when they have the time during the day to listen to the show. The uh, verse of the week for the show, or, or verses for this week, are out of the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Those, that's our verses for the week, right out of the book of Psalms, Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Uh, the, the title of the chapter there is The Way of the Righteous and the Wicked. Uh, that's our verses. Uh, those are our verses of the week. Our resource of the week that, that we interviewed or that, that my brother Wes and I discussed yesterday is the In His Image 5-pack, the In His Image 5-pack DVD set. That's our resource of the week. So you can go to resources.afa.net and order that. It's a hard-hitting documentary film on the issue of transgenderism, the issue of homosexuality, and it, it really gets down to the root cause of it, which that is our sin nature, and uh, the film there also offers hope and redemption through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, so that's our our documentary, our resource of the week, that uh, many people don't want you to get your hands on this because it's it's so powerful. It's so powerfully presented that, that, that people, we've had platforms that have uh, censored and blocked the film from being released out there because they just don't want the world to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's one more reason to order the In His Image 5-pack and uh, give those out to your family and friends. In the second segment here in a little bit, we'll have our IT director on, Tony Vitagliano, and he's going to talk about uh, not only the AFR app, but we'll uh, we'll surprise him and get him to give us a little uh, sneak peek into the video platform that I've talked about multiple times here on the network. So he'll be our special guest second segment here in about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, Florida, a Florida lawmaker by the name of Representative Anthony Sabatini, 
He is a, a state lawmaker in the state of Florida. Well, he is calling for a full forensic audit of Florida's five largest counties. Here's a quote from this representative out of the state of Florida. Today, I'm calling for a forensic audit in Florida's five largest counties. Voter confidence in our elections is at an all-time low, and it's time our elected officials start showing transparency. So that's a good news item out of the state of Florida. And uh, I'm in favor of audits all over the country. I think audits are healthy. I think they're good. And I think they increase voter confidence in the security of our elections. So who uh, could be opposed to election forensic audits? I don't know anyone that would have a valid reason not to have a forensic audit of all of our elections. What could what harm could be done by making sure uh, that our elections are being conducted properly? One more story on elections. Um, I, I covered the story out of Arizona about how Maricopa County has been blocking the state legislature from receiving certain information that will allow the legislature to complete its forensic audit. Well, the uh, state Senate president, Karen Fan, she had decided that she had had enough, and she just issued a subpoena yesterday to the Maricopa County and also Dominion uh, voting machines. Both of those received a subpoena from the state legislature there in Arizona, and they have to turn over all the information that the state Senate is requesting. And so that's a legal uh, subpoena that has to be fulfilled. And so we'll see. We'll, we'll keep up with that and see how that goes. There was a press conference yesterday from the uh, America's Frontline Doctors. And this is a group, a nonprofit group of doctors that are really providing a counter message to what you will hear from uh, many of the quote-unquote experts on MSNBC or CNN. Um, They're countering uh, and providing an alternative viewpoint to even what the CDC and the Biden administration are saying. And this is clip two here. Uh, This is a, a fellow by the name of Dr. Robin Armstrong. He's an MD out of the Texas uh, area, the Dallas, Texas area, to be a little more specific, I believe. And he was commenting at this press conference yesterday by America's frontline doctors. He was commenting on how the elderly, how elderly patients were treated during the early months of the COVID pandemic. Clip two, let's listen. It's such an honor to be here. You know, I I, uh, treated early on in this pandemic. I have a large hospital-based practice and a nursing home practice. And early on in this pandemic, uh, late March, early April of 2020, we treated a large number of nursing home patients successfully with hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. And and we were attacked for it. You know, I'll tell you, at the beginning of this pandemic, uh, the decision was made by a lot of folks, and and certainly this happened in New York and a lot of other states. The decision was made to keep our most frail and elderly folks in the nursing homes and allow them to die. That decision was made to not treat them. And it was made because our hospitals were going to be so overloaded that we, we weren't going to have enough rooms for our young people, people that I guess someone considered more valuable. Bad decision. Second decision was made in regards to our elderly and most frail population. 
They decided to lock them down, lock them in their nursing homes, lock them in their rooms. This had devastating effects, devastating effects socially, devastating effects emotionally, and folks died because they were locked down, they were isolated from their families for over a year, could not see their families. There are many folks who I talked to, family members, who had to bury their elderly loved ones without having seen them for a year. That is wrong. Well, wow. That's a powerful testimony from a doctor who has been on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic for the last 18 months. And uh, Dr. Robin Armstrong uh, practices out of a city in Texas called Texas City, Texas. His name is Dr. Robin Armstrong. But, you know, he's he's what he's talking about there really isn't being talked about enough not on the airwaves, not on the television, not on the news. It's being discussed in families because they're experiencing this. They have experienced this, and that is the way the elderly were treated in the early months of the pandemic and and for months after that, where they were in complete isolation from other humans, from human interaction complete isolation to such an extent um, that people weren't some people weren't able to see their loved ones and their loved ones died that their loved ones died and they weren't able to see each other in the final days of their life and that is a tragedy I read a testimony from a lady last week on the show that talked about how she had to have her dad's funeral and she wasn't able to hug anyone she had to stand in the funeral home by her father's casket, of which she did not get to give him her final wishes or speak to him in his final days of his life, and she wasn't able to be consoled or comforted physically uh, during the funeral because of the city's ordinances. They had an inspector there, someone there, uh, the owner of the funeral home, watching uh, the funeral, making sure no one hugged. And so you hear stories, at least if you talk to other people, you will hear these stories, and it's just tragic. It's just tragic. And so that's uh, one area that we all as a country should be ashamed of, and that is uh, the way we isolated elderly patients, elderly people in nursing homes for so long and didn't allow them to interact with their family members. That really was a tragedy. And I actually wrote an article I actually wrote an article several months ago, uh, back um, several months ago, talking about how there there's a there's a there was a solution to address that about being able to visit elderly patients, elderly people in nursing homes uh, through rapid test, through rapid test. This was even before the vaccine was available, um, but how how these nursing facilities could have set up uh, rapid testing uh, sites where family members could get tested the same day. And then go visit their loved ones. And then go visit their loved ones. That should have been a state-wide effort all across the country is to ensure uh, that elderly high-risk patients receive the emotional support and the mental support from their family. That There should have been a whole lot more effort into that. Uh, this other clip, about a minute long, I'm going to play. This is Dr. Armstrong about how he treated the elderly with uh, different medicines. Clip three, let's listen. I really believe that we should have poured all of our resources, 
all of our personal protective equipment, all of our treatment modalities, all of the methods and, and means that we had to treat people, we should have poured that into our nursing homes. We should have poured that into our elderly community because these are valuable people. Our grandparents and our parents, these are valuable people that we should have protected and we should have cared for better. And we should not have locked them down. Moving forward, I think that what we need to do is, is focus. Focus like a laser beam. Now we have these other variants out there. Focus on a, as a laser beam on that most vulnerable population. You know, there's a quote that I like to use. It says, the trajectory of a nation. I mean, you can tell where a nation is going to go and how they treat their very young and how they treat their very old. We've got issues now where we don't treat our very young well in the womb. And now we're not treating our very old well. We are better than this as a nation, and I think we have to turn this around. Well, there you have it. That's a very sobering statement from Dr. Robin Armstrong out of a, a press conference with America's Frontline Doctors in Texas yesterday at one of their gatherings, uh, marking the one-year anniversary since they had their first uh, White Coat Summit in Washington, D.C. And uh, he, he said there that he had great success uh, treating patients with uh, some of these uh, medicines, some of these widely available medicines, hydroxychloroquine um, and, and other medicines. He had great success with that. And, um, but, but you remember these, these uh, cheap, affordable, but yet effective medicines that, were, that, that, that typically were available before the COVID pandemic uh, they were blocked and politicized. This all was politicized through the FDA. Hydroxychloroquine, more specifically, was ridiculed. It was criticized. It was mocked as if it was some fairy dust that doesn't work. But you had dozens, if not hundreds, of doctors across the country that were on the front lines of the pandemic. They were testifying that they were experiencing great results from simple affordable medicines like hydroxychloroquine. But some states blocked even the use of it, which was a shame. And so um, many things we need to be doing different when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. That's from Dr. Robin Armstrong out of Texas. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in a few minutes. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Psalm 46 is a popular psalm, as it includes the text, Be still and know that I am God. This was the conclusion to a psalm that previously observed, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This described what looked like the end of the world. Nevertheless, the psalmist remained unshaken. He refused to allow present difficulty to cause him to forget God's past faithfulness. Virus or no virus, God is our refuge and strength. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Dr. Richard Land, President Emeritus of Southern Evangelical Seminary and your host for Bringing Every Thought Captive. America has been conducting an unofficial experiment over the last year and a half over what happens when you intimidate the police and the police withdraw from active policing. The results aren't pretty. The rise in murders in the United States in 2020 was unprecedented. Let me repeat that, unprecedented. Complete nationwide data is not in yet, but for 70 cities and counties that account for a fifth of the U.S. population, the murder rate rose by 35%. The largest previous increase on record was 13% in 1968, a year that, like 2020, was marked by civil unrest, riots, and often triggered by police misconduct leading to demand for police reform. Peter Moskus, a criminologist, has pointed out that last year's rise in killings is the result of treating policing as a problem to be solved rather than as an essential part of public order. Let's understand that having a police force that does its job is the thin blue line between civilization and chaos, as our larger cities have proven in the last year. One half of all murder victims in America are black, though the black population is 12.5% of the American population. That's why, in spite of the progressive leadership of the Democratic Party and many black activists demonstrating against the police and saying to kill the cops, fry them like bacon, et cetera, et cetera, and all the other horrendous statements and riots, African-Americans as a group have the highest percentage of support for police than any group in America. Why? More on this topic tomorrow. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. on American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman. This is Worship Wednesday that we have each week here on the show, and that was Forgiven by uh, Crowder. That song was called Forgiven um, by David Crowder. And, you know, the early lyrics there to begin the song talk about uh, uh, David sings that I'm the one who held the nail that was cold between my fingertips. I've hidden in the garden. I've denied you with my very lips. He goes on to say, God, I fall down to on my knees with a hammer in my hand. You look at me, arms open wide. 
and saved, forgiven. And, and that, Bobby, that brings me back to Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us that in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is a powerful, powerful testimony. And while we were holding the nails as we crucified him, we crucified him. Mm. Yeah, that's that's humbling. But God, through his love, saved us. And so that's our song of the week, Forgiven Amen. by David Crowder. And that just draws me back into Romans 5 uh, that talks about while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how great his love is for us. So don't forget that this week. Uh, that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8. In studio with us, we have Tony Vitagliano. He's a IT director for American Family Association. Tony, glad to have you on. Glad to be here. Is this your first radio debut? I believe so, yes. Nice. Yeah. I'm in IT. Normally, I like to be away from everything as much as possible. <laughs> so. Well, I'm glad to have you on. Hey, I wanted to talk about two things. We've got an app. And, you know, I talk about the app probably every day that I'm on radio. And people, I probably talk about it so much that people probably tune me out (laughs) when I start touting the AFR app. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to bring in a fresh voice. I'm going to bring in Tony Vitagliano, and I'm going to let him talk about the AFR app. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. So the the AFR app is uh, available on several platforms. It basically allows you to tune in live. And if you miss a program, one of your favorite programs, you can go back and listen to the podcast, even download them and listen to them offline. So if you're getting ready for a big trip, you know, and you know, or maybe you're going to be somewhere where you don't have internet connection, you can go through, find your favorite podcast, download them to your phone and listen to them offline. It's available on all the major platforms. So iOS, Android, uh, we actually have for podcast only, we have an app on the, uh, Alexa. So Amazon Alexa. Uh, Roku, we have the actual AFR app on Roku, and of course Apple TV. So we're available on most most platforms. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's excellent. And I hear uh, I hear stories of people who, uh, even while they're at work, of course, if their supervisor approves, they uh, pull up the browser, mm-hmm. uh, our website afr.net, pull up the browser window, and then kind of leave it in the background playing AFR. Um, and so we uh, we do have. Probably one of our most popular platforms is is the iOS mm-hmm. or the Apple, along with, uh, I know Android's pretty popular too as far as the mobile apps. Uh, but we are working on an upgrade to our iOS app, the app, Apple app. Talk a little bit about that. That's right. So currently the app, uh, the the current app we have on the store is, is a web app. So it's basically just interacting with our uh, website. That's why they, they, they kind of mirror each other so closely. Uh, but what we're working on is actually a native app for the Apple Store uh, and the uh, Google Play Store. Basically, being a native app allows us to access more of your phone's resources. So we can have increased communication with our listeners. And even in the future, eventually, um, being a native app allows you to take advantage of things like CarPlay. So full synchronization with cars that have that available. So CarPlay and Android Play yeah, uh, basically act like a you, – you've seen them. If you have it, you know what I'm talking about. you got a screen with, with mm-hmm. apps, a touch screen, and you can just touch touch the AFR app. That's, awesome. that's the goal. Excellent. Well, that's exciting, exciting news. Mm-hmm. So uh, where, can, where can folks find out a little more information if they just want to view all of our what – we're, what we're offering as far as apps go? Uh, well, they can go to um, – 
actually on the AFR app, there is you're referring to like other apps that are available. No, yep. just just the AFR app. I know. I think we have a place on AFR.net where it lists, you know, where you can download the app. Oh yeah, uh, that would be. Um, I believe there's a section under the AFR app called uh, apps or. Yeah, I think I think I'm talking about AFR.net forward slash apps. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I was thinking there was a section called apps where you can go out there and it'll tell you all of the platforms that it's available on. Excellent. Yeah, and well, actually, uh, we are available on. I know we have several, surprisingly, several uh, listeners who uh, use the Alexa app. So mm-hmm. there's an app called TuneIn that um, plays live radio feeds, and we're also broadcasting on there as awesome. well. So. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. That's Tony Vitagliano. Thanks for coming in, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, coming from someone other than me, uh, the AFR app is widely available for you to download and to listen live at your convenience and also listen to past shows. Uh, The webpage Tony and I were talking about is on AFR.net on the menu bar. There's an apps tab where if you click on that tab on the top of the website there, uh, it lists where all our apps are available for you to download. Uh, Alexa, Roku, Android, and Apple or iOS is the four major places where you can download the app. So go there, check it out at our website, AFR.net. And uh, we have, uh, uh, and we'll be having on more of our team members here on the show because we have a, a pretty big operation here in Northeast Mississippi. We have about 130 staff members, uh, multiple departments. So it's a little bit more than just radio that American Family Association does. So we'll be t- having on more team members. Uh, throughout the coming months and years to talk about our work here at AFA. Back to the news of the day, the um, uh, the, the Biden administration really isn't doing um, much help when it comes to uh, bringing unity to the country. You know, Biden campaigned on unity over and over again. You know, he's going to be the unifier. Uh, they, they projected Trump, uh, Donald Trump, as the divider-in-chief and uh, uh Joe Biden campaigned and presented himself as the uniter-in-chief or the would-be uniter-in-chief. Well, he's doing the opposite. In my opinion, he's doing the opposite. The Biden administration is causing further division in our country, which really shouldn't surprise us. This is a pretty common trend. Well, yesterday, when speaking at a press conference, uh, Joe Biden, the president, was asked about people who don't get the vaccine. Uh, Mr. President, what do you think about people who don't get the vaccine? Let's listen to clip four. This is the president of the United States, his response to that question. Will you require all federal employees to get vaccinated? That's under consideration right now, but if you're not vaccinated, you're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. (laughs) Folks, you heard that correctly. Coming from the president himself, if you're not vaccinated, you're not as smart as I thought you were. Bobby, we've got to play that thing again, maybe even put it on repeat. Let's play one more time. This is clip four. Will you require all federal employees to get vaccinated? That's under consideration right now, but if you're not vaccinated, you're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. Man, that's comforting. That's uniting. My heart is warm. I feel like I want to go get the vaccine now Mm. just because of the commander-in-chief. Bobby... There's no way that that is going to help their efforts no. to get people vaccinated. All you're doing is alienating a certain populace of the country, and it's it's pretty much split down the middle right now, much like the vote in years past. And, you know, what happened to my, my body, my choice? That's a good point, you know, Bobby. It's, um, 
you know, people have, have special uh, considerations that they make in meeting their own health needs. That's part of the liberty and freedom of living in this country. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, well, you've got Governor Cuomo in New York who's saying, we're going to herd you up and put you in cars, quote unquote, uh, and take you for, to be vaccinated. Hmm. Will those be railroad cars or? <laughs> hmm. That's chilling. That's chilling, Bobby. Good point there. Yeah. You yeah. know, this is, uh, folks, this is no way to bring unity to a country. This is no way to bring unity to a country. You know, I actually think, you know, there are people, um, many people have already made up their mind on this issue. All right. That, that's just, it is what it is. Uh, people are either open to getting the vaccine or they would rather not. Um, and that should be a personal, private medical decision that an individual makes in consultation with their doctor. Well, this is, the, the Biden administration is playing a zero-sum game here. They're playing a zero-sum game. You're either vaccinated or you're an idiot. That's the message coming out of the White House. You're vaccinated or you're stupid. That is a dangerous message. That is a reckless message that, in my opinion, will actually hurt and damage their efforts to get Americans vaccinated. Because there is something about um, human instinct, human nature, that when, when, when big government tries to force something on you, you immediately shrink back. You immediately are hesitant, at least some people, majority of people. And so taking this uh, this hard-knuckled route to bully Americans and call them dumb if they don't get vaccinated, uh, that is a losing message, a losing message. And especially at the same time when the White House is saying that and the CDC is saying that if you're vaccinated, you still need to wear a mask. Even in your own household with fellow family members, if you're vaccinated, you still need to wear a mask, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a few more minutes. Uh, this story I want to read is out of Mississippi, the Magnolia State, my home state. And uh, this is a good story. The, um, uh, the, the fear mongers here in Mississippi, people who are just uh, shaking in their boots about COVID, um, are, are really been trying to pressure the governor to reinstate a mask mandate in K-12 environments. Um, and, and, and this is... You would be surprised, even in a conservative state like Mississippi, how many people are in favor of little children wearing masks for eight hours a day in the classroom and on the playground. But the governor, Governor Tate Reeves, here's a quote from his spokeswoman, Bailey Martin. Here's what the governor's office said in response to this pressure. Quote, Governor Reeves has no intention of requiring students and staff to wear masks when they're in school this fall, end quote. So kudos to Governor Reeves in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, saying that he has no intention to require students and staff to wear masks in, in, in school this fall. You know, really, uh, no school, uh, I believe right now it's up to a school district to make a decision on this, um, but there's no science, there's no science at all that show that masks work. That's, that's even setting aside the fact that children are, are, are largely, and that's even an understatement, largely unaffected by coronavirus. I brought in the study out of England, 99.995% survival rate amongst children. And that's, that's one argument, but then you have the other argument that masks just straight up don't work. In the early days of the pandemic, I read multiple studies, and these were on the CDC website. Uh, on, they were studies that were 
there were peer-reviewed medical studies, and uh, one of them I read basically concluded it was talking about the study was the, the premise of the study was whether a mask work in a medical environment to prevent the spread of the flu of influenza within a hospital setting in a medical setting and even that study that was done on nurses and doctors who actually know how to wear a mask they know the proper hygiene involved even that study concluded that the that the number of people who got the flu it didn't matter whether they were wearing a mask or not it had absolutely no effect it was basically an inconclusive study on whether masks work to stop the spread of the flu and the same thing could be said about a coronavirus there is not a really a, a plausible uh, peer-reviewed long-term study out there that shows uh, that wearing a mask um, especially outside uh, that wearing a mask helps prevent you from uh, getting an upper respiratory virus the you know the White House uh, there's this this uh, statistic put out by lifenews.com lifesite news uh, I'm sorry lifenews.com and this was sobering this is having to do with how many humans died from abortion in 2021 versus um, those that have died from COVID in 2021 thus far. Listen to these numbers. In 2021 thus far, the world, these are world statistics, the world has seen 24 million and 200,000 deaths from babies in the womb. Innocent children created in the image of God, alive, breathing with a heartbeat, were killed, were murdered in the womb, all in the name of abortion, all in the name of my body, my choice, as Bobby said. Well, in comparison, we've had 4 million, 4.1 million people die from COVID in the world in 2021. Six times more people, more humans have died from murder, from abortion in the world compared to COVID. We'll be back in a few minutes with more of AFA at the core. Our culture claims science and the Bible are mutually exclusive, but Dr. Brick Lance says science actually supports biblical morality. Unfortunately, pastors and leaders struggle to find resources to help cover complex moral issues in a church setting. In the August edition of the AFA Journal, Dr. Lance shares a free resource to help teach the truth about bioethical issues. Read Faith and Science, Not Mutually Exclusive, and sign up for a free trial subscription at afajournal.org. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. 
The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. You've got rules at home, you enforce them, and when one of your children crosses the line, they pay the consequences, right? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. If you're in a family, you deal with discipline issues, but I wanna take just a moment to remind you of what's behind those rules and consequences. The root of discipline is this, mom and dad, you are helping your child get to a place he wants to be and you're keeping him from a place he doesn't want to end up. Next time you find yourself buried in the nitty-gritty daily details of enforcing rules at home, there's a purpose behind your actions. And discipline, combined with relationship, leads to a really good place. Looking to make positive changes in your family? Check out the helpful resources from Mark Gregston online at parentingtodaysteens.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Glad to have you back for this last segment. We are live streaming on Facebook. If you go to the American Family Radio Facebook page, you can watch the show live stream there on our Facebook page. So go there and check it out. The uh, We at least have one confirmed reporter uh, within the White House press corps that actually ask valid questions, questions that are useful to the public, questions that we all want to hear asked. Well, that fellow's name is Peter Ducey with Fox News. And, uh, you know, I'm not not going to be surprised if they just uh, send uh, Peter Ducey and all the other three Republican or conservative uh, reporters out of the White House press br- briefing room one day. But this is clip five. Peter Ducey asked a very valid question, and that is, if vaccines are the solution, which is what the White House is saying, uh, then why are you guys telling uh, vaccinated people to wear masks at all times? Clip five. Let's listen. If it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated still, then why do vaccinated people need to put the masks back on? Well, Peter, first of all, I would say again, just to go back to this chart, which I will handily point to again. If you were vaccinated, if you were vaccinated, your life, it can save your life. And I think the clear data shows um, that this pandemic is killing, is hospitalizing, is making people very sick who are not vaccinated. That still continues to be the case, uh, regardless of what the mass guidance looks like. The vaccines work, which this sign says that they do. Then why do people who have had the vaccine need to now wear masks, the same as people who have not had it? 
because the public health uh, leaders in our administration have made the determination based on data that that is a way to make sure they're protected, their loved ones are protected, uh, and that's an extra step given the transmissibility of the virus. You know, what do we do as a society? What do we do as a country? If we come to the realization, which honestly, I think we're here. If we come to the realization that we just spent billions of dollars, billions of dollars of taxpayer dollars to get these pharmaceutical companies, these big monster conglomerates, to fast track a vaccine that is now apparently, according to the CDC, ineffective. What do you do? We have the Israeli health ministry saying that the Pfizer vaccine is 39% effective, meaning 60% of the people who get the Pfizer vaccine in Israel have gotten COVID, have fallen sick with COVID. I mean, this should be, we, we should have the, we should have the pharmaceutical CEOs testifying before Congress as to where the breakdown was where the breakdown was in the manufacturing of the vaccine. Because as I mentioned on my show earlier this week, a vaccine, by definition, according to our own CDC, is intended to develop immunity to where you do not get ill, where you do not get sick, you do not get a virus. Well, the CDC is now admitting that people with the vaccine that are fully vaccinated are now getting COVID. And it's not a few, it's many. It's not a few, it's many. Uh, Also, now Pfizer and others are saying that you need need a monthly booster. Some are saying that you, you, you may need a monthly booster shot or a quarterly booster shot to keep you from getting further ill with coronavirus. So what on earth is going on? I've just got to say, it, it the, the government and these companies need to be fully transparent. They need to be fully transparent with the public. If their shots are not working like they told us they would, they need to be transparent about that. Instead of Biden calling people stupid who don't get vaccinated and then telling fully vaccinated people who were told that they would get their liberty back, they would get their freedom back only if they got the jab. Well, they've gotten the jab now twice And now they're being told to put a mask on and be quiet. Put a mask on, be quiet, and social distance. Even though you've done everything the government has said to do. And when I hear Governor Cuomo and Joe Biden and Jen Psaki say that if you'll just get vaccinated and wear your mask, that we can get everything back to normal just in a few months. We've heard that before. We've heard that before, and we're going to continue hearing it because this is turning in to a big, big game put on by the most uh, professional and polished politicians in American history, one by the name of Joe Biden, who's been in politics uh, the, the majority of his adult life over 40 years. Yesterday, I played a clip of, the, uh, of a police chief Um, in Washington, D.C., talking about 
out-of-control crime and how the violent criminals continue showing up on the streets of Washington, D.C., even after they're arrested because the courts are releasing them. Well, this clip I'm going to play right here is out of Chicago, and it is even more, it's even worse than what we heard out of D.C. Uh, this is the Chicago police chief, the top top cop in Chicago, by the name of David Brown. He's talking about how how suspected murderers are showing back up on the streets the same day they're arrested. Clip six, let's listen. Can the courts hold people in jail who are violent, who have been arrested, who have been charged with murder? Murder. I don't think there's another city in this country releasing people charged with murder back into the community on electronic monitoring. What we can do different is challenge the courts to render Chicago safe by holding violent offenders in jail longer, not releasing murderers back into our community. That's what we can do different. The, uh, the, the police superintendent there in Chicago goes on to talk about how they're, in order to address this problem, these courts are putting electronic ankle monitors on the, on the suspected murderers as if that's going to help. The Chicago Police Department, they are arresting people that are suspected of murder. They're booking them in the jail, and then those same criminals are showing back up on the streets the same day. This is not a breakdown of laws. This is a fundamental breakdown of the system. This is a fundamental breakdown of the judicial system where you have judges and prosecutors who are political hacks who are not interested in justice, in keeping citizens safe. You know, the left always talks about social justice. Oh, the social justice movement. They are the least just, they have the least just cause in America. A cause in which babies in the womb are murdered in the name of rights, in the name of choice. A movement in which violent criminals get to repeat their offenses, all in the name of criminal justice reform all in the name of, of rooting out systemic racism. And the communities that are hurting the most are the minority communities. Statistically speaking, the communities that are hurting the most are the minority communities. And they don't like this. They do not like lawlessness. I read a report out of Detroit where nine in one Detroit citizens say that they want more cops on the streets. They want their their police department to get a, a financial boost, a budget boost to hire more officers because they want more cops on the streets. They want more cops on the streets. And yes, every once in a while, on a rare occasion, there is a bad interaction, a negative interaction with law enforcement. But the vast majority of cops serve their cities well, serve their citizens well, and keep people safe. And that is a good thing. And so we need to refund the police. We need more officers on the streets. That's according to that Detroit uh, survey that I uh, told you about not that long ago. So Chita Chicago's top cop 
who works for a Democrat mayor, Lori Lightfoot, he uh, he's saying that they're seeing murderers, uh, con- uh, suspected murderers, back on the streets on the same day because the court system, the judicial system, is letting them back out. That puts these cops in a very, very tough position and endangers innocent lives. And in, in the meantime, we had a Chicago mayor, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, well, not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago, she had an event where she invited, only invited reporters of color to come sit down and interview with her. Yes, you heard that right. Segregation in 2021, you heard it from here. Chicago Mayor Lori, Lori Lightfoot had an event where, where reporters of color were the only ones invited. If you weren't a reporter of color, you were not invited to this event. That is no way to bring about unity, and that is no way to drop the crime rate and lock up violent offenders in the city of Chicago. So that's a sad thing for the citizens of Chicago, especially the ones who don't agree with the left-wing policies put forth by the Democrats. Came across this article in the Western Journal uh, from Cal Thomas, conservative columnist uh, who I agree with probably 99.5% of the time. Uh, but Cal Thomas wrote an article, an opinion piece in the Western Journal. Here's a headline. Governor Nome, talking about Christy Nome in South Carolina, Governor Nome is part of a bright future for the GOP. That's Cal Thomas. Governor Nome is part of a bright future for the GOP. And I, I agree that the majority of, uh, yeah, that's uh, Governor Christy Nome is the governor of South Dakota. Uh, she, um, I agree that the majority of her policies and her governance in South Dakota is good. I agree with it. But there's this one issue that she failed miserably on a few months ago that cannot be forgotten, that cannot be forgotten. Governor Christy Noem, she had the chance in South Dakota to sign a bill that would that would undoubtedly protect women's sports. It would keep biological males from competing in women's sports. That was the aim of the bill. That was the heart of the bill. It was a very, very good bill. I read the bill. I know people who sponsored the bill, who endorsed the bill. It was a good piece of legislation. Well, Governor Christy Noem... She backtracked. She waffled. She failed the test, and she would not sign that bill. Instead, she she signed some kind of uh, unenforceable executive order about protecting women's sports. But as we move into election seasons, 2022, and more importantly, 2024, which is a presidential cycle, those of us who care about God's creation, those who care about who care about protecting God's design for human sexuality and how men should not be competing in women's sports, we must not forget that Governor Christy Nome, in a time of need, when the pressure was on, Governor Christy Nome completely failed South Dakota. And that must not be forgotten. That must not be forgotten. And she went on Tucker Carlson's show trying to defend her position. And she admitted that the NCAA had a role in her decision-making. 
the pressure from the NCAA to boycott the state of South Dakota that played a role in her decision-making. And these governors, they should not be kowtowing to the NCAA. The NCAA is a left-wing, basically a left-wing arm of the Democrat Party, just like the media, just like the Democrat Party apparatus, just like the 1% elites, the corporate Fortune 100 elites that cozy up to the Democrat Party. The NCAA, NCAA is compromised. They're left-wing. They're highly political. They don't like conservative and Christian viewpoints, and they've made that known. And Governor Christy Noem, she kowtowed to the NCAA, so we must not forget that. Uh, just like uh, conservatives haven't forgotten that Governor Mike Pence, he failed. He failed people of faith in Indiana when he was governor when it came to a religious freedom bill uh, that, was, that was aimed at protecting Christians, people of faith who didn't want to violate their religious beliefs. Uh, governor Mike Pence failed during that time. And we still haven't forgotten that. We still remember that. That when it comes to that issue, uh, Governor Mike Pence did not do a good job. So I'll give Governor Christy Noem a thumbs down from me until she gets right on that issue. Because if we can't agree that men don't belong playing in little girls' sports in teenage girl sports, if we can't agree on that fundamental biological scientific fact, then we are wasting our time talking about economic issues, national security issues, and all the other issues that Americans care about. AFA at the Core, I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back tomorrow with more of AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.